0: Welcome to the Forbidden Apple Podcast, where we explore the relationship between queer people and religion.
1: They say faith can move mountains, and we want to know what faith means to you.
0: Join our conversation as we discuss overcoming prejudices, find common ground, and celebrate our differences. A former Orthodox Jew
1: and a Spanish-raised Catholic meet weekly and sink our teeth into the Forbidden Apple The Forbidden Apple. Hi everybody.
0: And welcome to another episode of
1: The, the Forbidden, Forbidden Apple. Apple.
0: I'm Melissa Weiss.
1: I am Pelayo Alvarez.
0: And today we have with us Logan Rosos.
1: How are you, Logan?
0: I'm good. I'm very happy to
1: be here. How are We've you? We've had some
0: technical difficulties and Logan has been so patient, so we're really grateful.
2: Thank you for that. You're very welcome.
1: Thank you so much. What do you do when things go wrong usually? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Depends on the severity, but um, there's there's a saint for everything. Uh, so <laughs> praying is usually high on the list. Um, I lose a lot of things, so me too. Yeah.
0: What's the what saint do you pray for? That? Saint Anthony is
2: saint the Anthony. Saint of loss.
1: San Antonio. Yeah, my uh. grandma used to leave, always tell me when I lose something, she would put a candle to San Antonio. So and do you
2: find yeah. it? Sometimes,
0: nice. I forgot what we have. We don't have it for a saint, but there's like um yeah, Meyer Balanes, specific, uh, some spiritual rabbi mm-hmm. person, um that we do something similar, and you usually find it.
1: That's cool. Yeah. And what made you? Uh, because you haven't been always super religious, right? No. Yeah. Your family was uh, Catholic, and then you develop your own faith. Tell us a little bit more about that.
2: Yeah. Um. I. I you know, I was, I was baptized in, in the Catholic Church. I was, my family attended Catholic Church when I was a kid, um, and my family became sort of uncomfortable with the, sort of the institutional, you know, abuses and corruption that existed within the Catholic Church, and we diverged from Catholicism when I was around 10 years old. Um, and our family, for a brief time, we went to a Unitarian Universalist congregation together, um, and slowly we just sort of stopped going to any organized religion together, but I sort of rediscovered a connection to God around the age of fourteen, fifteen, and that brought me back to the Catholic Church.
1: How has been this search? Because I feel like we always have to do it by ourselves, right? And to kind of like figure out what, what resonates with us. How, how, how was uh, this search different than just when you were growing up and accompanying your family to church?
2: I mean, when I was a kid, I think I did like, I believed in God and I believed that, you know, god was watching out for us and that was that was comforting but i didn't feel any like great passion for it or like great joy when i went to church it was kind of like oh this is a thing that i have to do on mm-hmm. sunday and mm-hmm. i have to get dressed and like it's no one really wants to do that um and i think like after you know living a pretty much entirely secular life and not really thinking about whether or not i believed in god or whether i wanted to have any relationship with faith in an organized way. Um, there was, there was something missing, and there was, um, you know, there, I think, especially when you're a teenager, you start to think, like, what do I think about God? You know, people start to form their own relationships with religion, and that was sort of when I—well, there was I think there was actually one, like, specific event. I had just finished reading the book Persepolis, which is a graphic novel about a woman who grew up in Iran— um, and she talks about how when she was a kid, she would have this image of God holding her in her arms. And she was, you know, she was a pretty religious kid. And that image really resonated with me. And one night I was just, like, sitting in bed and sort of this, this image came to me of, like, me being wrapped in, in this very, like, loving and protective presence as arms. And I was like, oh, like, this is what religion is supposed to feel like. This is mm-hmm. what a connection to God is supposed to feel like.
0: And then you started your journey of finding what works for you. Yeah. You are um, out at this point.
2: No, I was not at this point. You were not. Uh, my sort of journey towards being vocal about being queer and my journey about being vocal about being religious were actually, they happened pretty much at the same time. And I don't think that's a coincidence. No? Yeah. I mean, I mean, part of it, I guess, is just adolescence is a time when you figure out a lot of things about yeah. yourself. But I think when I came to a place where I was like, I have to start being truthful with myself and others about who I am and bringing the entirety of myself into the world, and that's the only way to sort of live an honest life, I was also thinking about what these other parts of myself that I wanted to be able to bring and that I thought would help me live a good and honest life and a relationship with God, both personally and like with a faith community, was definitely in there, was involved in that. Yeah,
0: It seems like a complicated journey because, like you said, as an adolescent, you're figuring life out, but also the fact that you're... how religion is often used to push queer people out and how you're then you know, coming out and figuring out your own sexuality, your own gender, all of that, and finding your space. Did you feel safe? Did you let them know immediately who you were and your gender identity and your sexuality, all of that?
2: Short answer, no. Um, I mean, I am incredibly fortunate to, I never really had to worry that my family was going to reject me on the basis of my sexuality or my gender. And I... Didn't I wasn't worried that they were going to use religion as a tool to try and suppress that part of me or shame that part of me, but because my family were like what they weren't the my point of connection to a faith community I didn't know that whatever faith community I would be going into would necessarily be affirming and knowing that I came from a Catholic religious tradition the official doctrine isn't affirming and so when I first sort of started to rediscover religion It was bringing me all this it was bringing me great joy i found an online bible study space and like that made me very happy that i had a place to, to, to talk about god and to talk about how to live you know a, a life that i felt honored god and brought god's love into the world but at the same time that space was not affirming and they and i was not honest with them about who i was uh because it, it wouldn't have been safe to do so and they wouldn't yeah. have accepted that i guess before that point i hadn't ever really thought about the How to a lot of people, the idea of like being a queer person and being a religious person is a contradiction. That contradiction sort of hit me very directly. How did you deal with that? I think at first I went through sort of a period where I was like, well, if these people who I respect and who are engaged with God in this way that I want to be engaged with God feel that it's that this is a part of me that. God wouldn't be okay with maybe I need to think about changing it and I really did. I felt, you know, a sense of shame about it for a long time and I was like maybe I, you know, should give up on pursuing rom- romantic relationships because uh I don't know whether or not, you know, God would even be okay with me pursuing romantic relationships with other men. I sort of put that part of my development like in a box and put it away because I was worried about whether or not it was acceptable. But I think in the end like Because my family was affirming and because I had affirming friends and because I was able to, while I was sort of trying to do research into different faith traditions and Mm -hmm. into the history of Catholicism, I was able to see that there have always been differing perspectives and there are people who think that it's perfectly possible and wonderful to live a life that is both about God's love and openly queer. And I was able to sort of overcome a lot of that shame and secrecy and I moved away from that faith space
0: and then you found you have one now that you go to
2: yeah feel- well I mean at the at the time that I was engaged in this online Bible study space I was also just attending my my neighborhood church um, and I continued to do that until pretty recently when I discovered uh, the dignity congregation which is a all not all LGBT but is an LGBT uh, focused and affirming Roman Catholic congregation that meets in the West Village, and, you know, they were, I felt very at home there, and it was all the faith traditions that I had, you know, grown up with, mm. and a lot of the, you know, discussion of of biblical and theological content that I found nourishing to me, and that I found joyful, and I didn't have to worry about hiding any parts of myself, and there was, because the, the people in the congregation sort of inherently have a fraught connection with the institution of the catholic Uh, church there was there's a lot more room there for critique of that institution which was what drove my family away from catholicism to begin with and that you know we we do uh special intercessions during the thing where we all we all sort of pray for particular things and i think i think most uh roman catholic congregations do this like you know pray for the leaders of your country that they make good decisions and pray for the sick and pray for the dying and we also, at, at Dignity, they throw in, like, we pray that people stop using religion as a justification for bigotry. And we pray that uh, people who feel marginalized by their faith communities or by their families find peace and healing. And these are, like, things that I always, you know, would want to be incorporated in that kind of practice.
0: Yeah,
1: And you also acted uh in, in the way that you are uh, an active speaker for the community, that you talk about your experience being LGBTQ and religious, and you speak about all that, right? So it's not only just, like, talking about it, it's also, like, action and and moving forward. Yeah,
2: um, I, I hope that a, a big part of me reconciling those two identities and really I'm in a place in my life where both of those things I feel I'm expressing fully and that brings me a lot of joy, I want to be able to bring that to other people and to have people people in the faith community see that there are queer people in their community who they can connect with and to have queer people who have a more uh, complicated relationship with faith or no relationship with faith see that there are people that they can connect with in faith spaces yeah. and try to uh, be very vocal about that and to create space for people to talk about these like these different relationships that people have. Yeah,
0: You mentioned that you felt for a while your family wasn't religious affiliated with anything and then you felt something was missing. And I'm wondering what was the thing that you were missing that you feel that you found? Is can you name it? Is there something that
2: Um I mean I think a lot of it was like like all people, I was like, I wanna be a good person and I yeah. wanna be, you know, a, a loving person and a kind person. But I didn't I feel like I didn't have a real sense of how to put that into action. There were just things that I'd yet to resolve. Like, I think forgiveness is a big thing that, it's a hard thing and I'm still working on it. It's, a I think, a lifelong practice to learn to forgive people and to forgive situations and to forgive yourself. But, you know, I was like, oh, I want to be a good person, but, like, there are all these bad things that happen in the world and there are people who do things that I see as bad. And, like, I just had no way to wrestle with that with my, sort of vague feeling that I think people are good and I think that it's possible to live a good life. Religion gave me this idea that like when people hurt themselves or others, they do it because they don't understand or because they haven't felt fully how loved they are. And I think like the idea that we're all loved by God really put that into perspective for me and made it a lot easier for me to forgive people and to Mm -hmm. proceed in the world believing that people
1: are good. Wow. Yeah. It's difficult forgiving sometimes. Very hard, yeah. Uh, but it's also like something that affects you uh, when you don't forgive more than the other person probably. Especially when when people are doing like such a, such horrible things, I don't think they really care if you forgive them or not at some point. But, well, it, it, but yeah. it does affect you when you don't forgive someone, how like that those, those thoughts yeah. come to your mind and it really can consume you.
0: I think especially even if it's, it's not someone that you know, it's just people out in the world that are doing hard things that are continuously doing things that are hard and there's so much pain in the world and how do you then yeah yeah it's a hard it's a hard thing
2: and then yeah yeah even with sort of this this religious or spiritual framework for like forgiveness it's like difficult because it's like especially when you don't i've never met some of the people that are doing things that i think are making the world worse it can be easier with like people you know and like you can see the good in them and you can see what i would call like you know god's grace in them it's a little harder when it's like such and such right. politician did a bad thing because you you haven't had the chance to see that grace in them but yeah. it's it's a practice
0: that's a good point yeah so you so you focus on finding the grace the grace in, in people
2: yeah i think that's a that's a big thing for me yeah.
0: last night uh, my niece got married and my little niece was there and she's 8 years old and she was talking to me it was the sweetest thing she was talking to me how she's sometimes so thankful that she doesn't have enough words to explain how thankful she is to people So we went through what she was thankful for, for her mom and her dad and her sister. And she was literally doing that, like finding the grace, because she said, sometimes when I tell my sister something, she doesn't always tell me to go away. And she was grateful for the times that she doesn't always. And I thought that's like, (laughs) how sweet is that at eight years old to be like, so I really appreciate that. And she's like saying all these things and not in a, not in like a obnoxious, Uh or funny. like she was so seriously appreciating the times that her sister does. And, like, all these other things. Like, she thanked me for being a good listener, for listening to her stories. She's eight. And I was like, that's an amazing. And she's very religious. And I was thinking, when you're saying that now, how religion can really cult- help cultivate that. That yeah. part of finding yeah. I think that's beautiful.
1: Also, kids, I feel like you, you lose it at some point.
0: Yeah, sometimes. Some, life gets hard and you start to, like... But it's such an important thing. Like I, I was like, I want to be like her when I grow up. I was so impressed with the... Like she loved all these small things that she appreciated and people that was, and you, her face was like lit and like really, it was just beautiful. Mm-hmm.
2: That's incredible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about that now. Yeah. Every time I, I bother my older sister and she doesn't tell and me to doesn't. go away. Yeah. And you're like, thank you for that. Yeah. yeah. Kids can really be excellent models. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's, yeah. there's, a, there's a verse in, in, the, in the book of Mark where he says, you, where Jesus says, you have to become again like little children. Yeah. Um,
0: isn't that, wait, so I think that's a very good um, transition to acting because with acting, oftentimes, people say, you say that, right, watch little kids or you, you need to find the joy, you need to find the child in you. Yeah. There's a lot of that, too, which is getting to the heart of who we are authentically as people to actually find that, that child in us again. And in therapy there is, but and so Logan is an actor, and on this show called
2: uh, David Makes Man.
0: And they are going to have a second season.
2: Yes. Um, we just announced that we're, there's going to be a season two. Um, the first season aired on the Oprah Winfrey Network from September to November of 2019. So the next season will be coming out probably late 2020. And it was, it is honestly, it's one, um, incredible career representation throughout. Um, the executive producer and sort of the the creative mind behind it uh, is Terrell McCraney, who wrote the play on which the movie Moonlight is based, oh. and he's he's a he's a gay black man, and he writes largely about queer black experiences. I play a trans character. There are there's a there's a gender nonconforming character, and there are there's lots of queer representation in the show. So I would check it out just for that. Yeah, and
0: check it out. Yeah, and, um, and then you can see Logan
2: acting, yes. and he's wonderful. Um, and there's there's also. Not a lot of explicit uh, spiritual content, but there's a lot of influences from the spiritual traditions that Terrell grew up around. Like he grew up around people who were, were Catholic, who were Baptist, who were Yoruba, who were into Santeria and other like specific cultural and oftentimes like syntheses of, of different religions uh, that were expressed around him. And there's a lot of that imagery and that symbolism in the show. So. Oh, that's really nice.
1: Do you have any example growing up, uh, probably not on TV, right, of a trans man? No, yeah. Um,
2: I know that there I think there was a trans male character on the original L Word, but, you know, I wasn't old enough to watch it uh, when it came out. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the first trans person I ever saw in media was, like, it was definitely played by a cis man. It was definitely a trans woman played by a cis man. Um, And it was probably played as a joke. Um, It's, uh... It's been a it's been a journey in yeah. a in a very short amount of time from there being virtually nothing to there being, you know, an an emerging array of roles that I can play as a trans actor, which is really exciting and really yeah. cool. Do you
0: enjoy playing roles that are as a trans actor? Is, do you feel like it's it's a responsibility or like and and an honor to do that?
2: Uh I mean, I'm definitely open to playing both, yeah, um, both cis and trans roles, um. And I think I'm glad they used the word honor because that's the word that I would use. Like it's, you could think of it as kind of like a scary and daunting responsibility that like maybe someone watching this show has never seen a trans man on TV or doesn't know a trans man in real life. Yeah. And that, you know, they, they, you know, you want to do an authentic and but also, like, a positive...
0: Like, do it justice for, like, yeah. everybody that's... Every trans man in the world, which is yeah. hard, too, to, with to, you. Which yeah. is
2: hard. And I was I was interviewed uh, by a wonderful reporter named Trish Bendix for uh, Time magazine about trans masculine actors. And she asked me, like, how I felt about being, you know, uh, one of very few trans masculine actors on TV. And I was like, I think it's an honor to be people's first point of contact with trans people. And that's the way I'm going to try to frame it. Honor, not I, I love scary. It. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Have you found that your work as an actor... And what we talked about finding that inner child or finding that has it had you find that playing this role has influenced your journey as a human being? Just
2: Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, I think even more so than the character in itself, mm. who I love, um, but the the relationships I formed with other actors on set, it was like a, a six month long filming process and most of us were living in Orlando where we shot for most of that time. And we, you know, we had pool parties together and we hung out and we were very close. And I felt like this real obligation and this real desire to be very, to be as generous and as present for those people as possible because I I really, I really cared about them and I thought that they were, you know, wonderful people and wonderful actors. And, you know, I think about that sort of that sense of community and that sense of wanting to be giving and present all the time now,
1: which is great oh, wow. and that's one of the main things to be an actor, to be present, to listen yeah. to be with the others and be generous yeah,
2: yeah
0: that's true yeah which is so in line, it's interesting because it's so in line with with your journey, with your religious spiritual journey, right yeah, with all these things as well as to be present with other people, to listen and be generous, all this stuff seems like very religious based you know
2: yeah, um, and you know, I think it's it's easy to think of acting as sort of. Not about those things, like right. especially for people who, you know, they're consumers of media, but not necessarily actors themselves are like, OK, like this is sort of a, a superficial field. It's a lot about pretense and it's right. a lot about how you look and it's a lot about how you appear to people and not a lot about who you are as an actual person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's easy to get kind of cynical and like uh, that's all the industry is. But it, you can really you can see some some grace in the field and in what you do as an actor, which is
1: nice. How did your search of identity of gender identity was or how did it affect to your search of uh, your own faith?
2: Um, I mean, I think, you know, at some point it was sort of, it was a tension and there was, and when I started to think like, oh, I want to like pursue religion in like a more organized way. I want to go to a faith community. I want to pray on a weekly basis. It made me kind of think like, well, then I have to not explore this part of myself. But I think a big thing like was honesty. And like, I was like, I, don't want to lie. I don't think that that's something that is in line with my values. And I'd been, you know, essentially kind of, I mean, like, not just lying by omission, but sometimes directly lying to people around me. My mom had gone through my phone when I was like, I think, 14, 13, and found that I was being called by the name Logan, which is not my given name. And she was like, what's going on here? And I I lied to her. And I continued to lie for a good while after that. And I didn't want to be lying to her and I didn't want to be lying to people I cared about. And it helped me get let like, go of a lot of shame about it to be like, this is not me making a decision to pursue any type of like lifestyle or how other people might characterize it. It's me making the decision to tell the truth to people I care about.
0: So one of the things that's interesting in this podcast, we're learning people's terms, these terms that we have been taught or people, this like miracles and all this stuff that people talk about God being up there. And I really liked your concept when you talk about how you see uh, Jesus and how that plays out in the world. And you just mentioned grace and all of that. And also how you how you feel when you feel God inside you. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about that.
2: Uh, yeah. Um, I I think I got this from, I was reading probably like a religious blog, which is one of the like, one of the first things I was doing when I was starting to reconnect with faith, that Jesus was God's like love letter to humanity, that like God wanted to like say to the earth that like, that he loved us no matter what mistakes we had made and that he forgave us and sent us this, this version of him who could live among us and could be our friend and could elucidate to us the ways in which we could be happier with each other and better to each other. And I've always really like the, the image that, you know, God is sending this like this gift to humanity to say like, I, I do love you in case you forgot. Um, yeah. Is a lot more, it's a lot more approachable and it, it it feels it feels more true to me than the idea of like, God is like a man in a robe in the right, sky. Yeah, um, yeah. It feels a lot less direct when you think about it that yeah. way.
0: And then you can, uh, how you're sound, saying it now, it sounds like what you're trying to do is also be that, let other people know that they're loved, like continue yeah. that message.
2: And I, 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 that's one of the things that I just, I love about the story of Jesus that sort of if he came down and he was like, Let's just all be good to each other and remind each other that we're loved. And I was like, Oh yeah, if that's what I'm called to do in my life, I can do that. I would mm-hmm. love to do that. People in churches often like throw around sort of the phrase like being Christ like or living like a godly life or a Christ like life, and that can be really intimidating. But if you think of it as just like go around reminding people that they're loved, it's it's yeah. a lot. It seems a lot easier.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then and you feel you can feel God.
2: Yeah, I think claim that my experience of God has always been very embodied, like. And part of it is, like, being being open to it, like, you know, for a long time I wasn't really open to it, because it just wasn't something I was thinking about, or it wasn't something that I felt, like, passionate about, mm-hmm. so I didn't, I wasn't open to, like, feeling it, but I think once I started to be open to it, I get this very, like, when I feel as though I'm in the presence of God's grace, it's, it's like a very embodied feeling, I feel very, I feel very light, and I feel very happy, um... And it's like this this feeling in your heart and in, in your mind that, like, becomes almost physical. And I, I don't know, maybe some people at home are like, okay, that sounds a little crazy. Where do you – no,
0: no, 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 walk us through it. Because I think people – when you were saying that right now, I was thinking – because I've been talking about my New Year's resolution of meditating and trying to get – and when you were saying that, it feels like that a little bit for me too. When I just start to – when I breathe and I, my anxiety starts to lift, I feel that, like – and this feeling of lighter. So yeah. When you are actually saying that, I think people – I think other people experience it with different techniques or in different ways. So I actually, I don't think that sounds crazy at all. But would you tell us like when, like what kind of moments these things happen? What brings this about?
2: Uh, I mean, it definitely, it happens in church, which I think, you know, people would expect. But it's also happened to me just like when I see or experience nice things that people do for each other. It actually, on Christmas Eve, I was at uh, a family friend's party um, and there was a very little girl there. She was like two or three, and she took one of the ornaments off of the tree and like walked over to me and put it in my hand and was like, "Here you Aww. go." Um, and then I was like, "Yep, this is a, like this is a moment of God's grace." Yeah, yeah. Or like sometimes you see like a little kid like sleeping in their parents' yeah. arms or something, and you're like, "Yeah, like I'm in the, I'm in the presence of something that's really, that's really divine, something yeah. that's really like miraculous."
1: Like my niece's niece.
0: Yeah. I really felt that with her. Like, watch it. I felt like almost like tears coming in my eyes. I was like, there's so much beauty, and it's, it's so pure. It was so pure. And like i thought, like, this is beautiful. My sister and I were looking at each other just like, what? It was amazing. Yeah. But yeah, there's things that are really beautiful, I and mean, you get to appreciate and feel that that sense. You know what's interesting? Because we talked about, we started kind of talking about you You had that feeling of God embracing you, yeah. being inspired of that. And then you talk about that. That sounds similar to that. Yeah, yeah, it
2: is. A sim- it was really, like, I mean, and you read about, like, uh, like saints and, like, religious figures throughout history having, like, a moment where, like, there's an image that comes to them or, like, they have a vision or they have, yeah. like, a, a physical yeah. experience where they're, like, and that was the moment where they started to turn towards faith. And I haven't had, like, you know, a Marian apparition or, like, I haven't received the stigmata. But, like, I understand what they mean by that, that there are, like, decisive moments where you feel as though you're in God's presence and you know and something becomes clear to you about the path you have to take in life. Yeah.
1: What do you think uh, would be, like, a good advice for someone who's searching for their own identity that went uh, through something like you did?
2: Um, I mean, if you're... Lo- I think this is true of both looking for your faith identity and your, your sort of more personal uh, or cultural identities is, like, if something feels truthful to you, then, like, run with it or, you know, t- explore it. Talk to people you trust and want to be truthful with about it and to not accept any or try not to accept any cultural message that tells you that identity certain identities are off limits to you or contradict with other parts of who you are yeah Uh,
0: yeah yeah that's good advice. how can people find you
2: um uh you can find me on Instagram at Logan Rozos, L-O-G-A-N-R-O-Z-O-S. You can find me on Twitter at at Logan Makes Man. And yeah, that's that's uh
0: from there, you can find the show.
2: Yeah, you can you can find the show, which is available to rent on Amazon Prime also. If you didn't see the first season and want to catch up. Um, and, and the
0: second season is coming out soon.
2: Yeah. Um, and that will be on the Oprah Winfrey network. So if you get that, you can stream it on. The app, or you can watch it live or tape it or whatever you do with your shows. Awesome. Thank you
1: so much for sharing all yeah, this with us. It's been
0: great. Thank, thank you. Thank you
1: so much for having me. Yeah,
0: thank you for being patient with us.
1: Yeah, absolutely That's no problem. Yes. yes,
0: yes. Well, this has been another episode of
1: The Forbidden the Apple. I am Melissa Weiss. And I am Pelayo Alvarez. Have
0: a wonderful day.
1: Bye bye.